Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I'm so excited. We have a fellow Tampa-based entrepreneur here in today's episode. His name is Matthew Zamorati. I'm so excited about our conversation today. Let me tell you about him. Matthew Zamorati is a seasoned professional with a passion for guiding team leaders and teams towards peak performance using agile principles. If you're anything like me, you've heard this buzzword before. You've always heard about what what agile methodology and all of that is all about. But you've never actually dove deep into it. So today we've got Matthew here with a background as a scrum master and a graduate certificate in professional and executive coaching. Matt brings a unique blend of technical expertise and interpersonal skills to his coaching practice. With years of experience in agile methodologies, Matt understands the nuances of creating high-performing collaborative teams. His coaching style is rooted in the belief that successful agile adoption goes beyond processes and tools. It's about fostering a culture of continuous improvement, open communication, and adaptability. Three things that every single one of us needs as entrepreneurs. Matt's commitment to helping teams and leaders thrive is evident in his ability to tailor agile frameworks to each unique situation. His goal is to empower individuals and organizations to embrace change, iterate, and deliver value more effectively. There's so much that we're going to get to dive into. It all applies to every single one of us completely as entrepreneurs. So I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Matthew Samarati. All right, Matthew, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's an honor to be here. Heck yeah. Well, you heard in the intro, obviously you and I were talking off the air. I'm so excited to have a Tampa-based entrepreneur that I get to have coffee with in person, but fill in the gaps for listeners. I told them just a little bit about you. Take us beyond the bio. How the heck did you fall into all this awesome stuff that you work on? That's that's a great question. So it started with um, my interest for foreign languages first. i fluent in Spanish. I'm uh, well-versed in Italian as well. I've started learning languages since I was 14 years old. Um, love the nuances with each language and being able to communicate with people in their language on their terms. I found that that brings so much more connection to another individual. Um, I've also discovered from an early age that I really enjoy solving problems. I'm very curious. I want to know how things work. And so the combination of those two led me into software engineering, where I get to solve problems and I get to work with languages, even though they're you know computer languages. Um, just the same. Uh, there's always something new to learn with, with each language and with each technology. Um, as a software engineer, I started working with teams and had an opportunity to take more of a leadership role to be the scrum master with a team and discovered that I like working with people even more or even more than I like working with computers. Um, so being able to work with those people and understand what makes them tick, what makes them motivated, what, what, what drives them, being able to understand their strengths, where they can improve and pull on those things so that the team can work better and being able to create a more cohesive team uh, that just came naturally to me. Um, the communication skills, being able to read between the lines, um, part of that language set that that I've talked about and those language skills, learning to listen and discovering that people are saying a lot more than just the words, right? And as a coach, I've learned to listen for that. I've learned to hear the things between the lines. And as I started learning about that and learning how team dynamics work, 
I wanted to go into the coaching space. And that's what brought me into the master's uh, certificate in executive and professional coaching um, with the University of Texas, Dallas. And after going through that whole program, I brought more skills, uh, learning about positive psychology, about motivational interviewing, bringing some of those psychology skills to bear to work with individuals to help them become more aware of what's keeping them from growth, what's keeping them from improving, also helping them understand where their strengths are and how they can utilize them. How can they leverage them to create the kind of life that they want? Um, And as I learned those skills, I wanted to bring them back to the team. And in doing so, I started looking from the other perspective of what I've learned as a scrum master, what I've learned to develop with a team. And that's where those agile principles come into. And as I started thinking more about it, as I started analyzing the processes that we use as a team, I realized that those same agile principles, those same methods can be used with individuals to help them build. If they work with teams that are you know, increasing their performance for Fortune 500 companies that are building these billion-dollar products, why can't they work for each and every one of us? And so I want to bring those methods back to individuals and help them use them as well. I've learned that... Um, you know, three things that really help individuals when it comes to agile is the stories. When you write those stories, it helps you build a clearer vision of what you want for yourself. And it also helps with cognitive offloading. It helps you take those things out of your head, put them on paper so you can visualize and you can see. And that way you can go back to focusing on what you're doing and be able to be able to put them somewhere so you can have them for later and you can start assessing what what makes them important for you. It helps you bring realization. It helps you clarify that vision. Another one is what we measure in uh, Agile called velocity, which is how much you're doing in a two-week sprint, in a two-week cycle of work. How that works for an individual is they can learn their bandwidth, their capacity. They can see how much they actually do in a certain amount of time, and they can learn to measure themselves that way so they're not being overstressed, overwhelmed. They can help manage that. The last thing are the retrospectives. Stopping and thinking about everything we've done, thinking about what we've learned, thinking about what works, what doesn't, what we can improve. Those kind of things also work for an individual. It works for my coaching. It's one of the tenets of what I use with my coaching to help put that mirror up in front of individuals so they can learn about themselves. Yeah, I love that overview, Matthew, for so many reasons, but particularly what I hear is so many things. I'm taking notes as you're talking that apply to every single one of us. When we talk about your work, I think it's fascinating that this applies to entrepreneurs. I'm sure you find it applies to people working nine to fives. But even on a human level, I'm just like, you're really just talking about what it means to be human. And and so much of this understands the human psyche. I mean, you, you already brought up psychology. And I think it's such an important trait that we as entrepreneurs, we get obsessed with marketing funnels, we get obsessed with advertising and and Facebook ads and gosh, analytics, all these other things, but we forget about the human element of it. So it's fascinating for me to hear you talk about something that is a buzzword, agile methodologies. Break that down for us because we've all heard it. We don't often understand what it is exactly and, and what a scrum master does. Walk us through the agile framework and especially what you scrum masters are up to because I always picture it being like a rugby position. <laughs> and that's, of course, that's exactly where Scrum comes from is rugby. So there's a history behind that of being able to stop and adapt and think about where you are and where you want to be. And so the Agile framework really gives us a way of organizing our goals. 
when it comes to it. And it focuses on the value that you're going to deliver as opposed to how much effort you're putting in, how much productivity. So you're not you're not only asking, am I doing things right? What's more important is that you're asking, am I doing the right thing? And you're constantly asking that to make sure that you're not spending too much time going down the wrong path. And so the fundamentals of Agile, what, what it really boils down to is learning. It, it's stopping and thinking and taking back everything that you've done and seeing if you're still going in the right direction. So when I talk about Agile, that's usually what I'm going to focus on with the teams is what have we learned as we go along? Um, and so when we talk about those goals, when we talk about setting those goals, as we go along and we do work toward that goal, whether it's with an individual or an entire team and managing their tasks and their, you know, how we delegate um, an organized structure, right, and organize those tasks, what we're looking at every, every sprint, which is a two-week cycle, right, we break our work down into two weeks, and the point of that is so that we can stop and think, and we can look at the work we've done and say, okay, this is the goal that we had. Are we still moving toward that goal? And something even more important that comes out of that, um, especially with Scrum Masters, if you're really digging deep with the team, with your customers, or as an entrepreneur, with your with same thing with your clients, with your customers, you're going to start realizing that we had this goal, and we're also working toward it. And then we realize that that's not the goal we wanted. There's some bigger goal. There's some better goal. And what the Agile framework does is it allows you to adapt to that without spending too much time going down one path, without spending a ton of effort. You're always testing hypotheses. You're always experimenting. And just like an entrepreneur, right? We, we say that you don't learn from success. You learn from your failures, right? Those are the, the, the steps that build you up. You learn the things not to do. And it's very much the same for Agile. You're learning what you shouldn't do along the way and what does work. Yeah, I like that, especially because what I'm hearing is in chess, we, ha we have a saying, for example, I'm big time into chess. And they always say, just like what you got into at the end there, you either win or you learn. And what I hear you talking about when you talk about the agile approach is, is really two things. One is I hear that level of intentionality of, hey, let's not just do things. Let's make sure we're doing the right things that take us to where we want to be. But the second part, which I want to particularly call out, because I think every listener will benefit from this aspect of what you're discussing with us today is really that taking of inventory because I think intentionality has to come with that level of taking inventory of keeping track of, hey, what were the things that we tried? What were the outcomes? Because, I mean, obviously we've all heard that Thomas Edison quote, which is, I haven't failed. I just found 10,000 ways that it didn't work. I think that's important for us as entrepreneurs so that we don't repeat the mistakes. Matthew, you already dropped a history lesson on us today with the Scrum Master. And I think that that's why we study history is to not repeat those mistakes we as entrepreneurs, busy professionals, executives, teams, they all experience that in so many ways. So I love that overview that you've given us of that methodology. One thing that stood out to me already in what you said was you mentioned hearing between the lines. And I like that you said hearing between the lines as a coach. Obviously, as a coach, you have a lot of different skills that I want to talk about here today. But I want to hear your insights more about what hearing between the lines is, because I know there's sometimes a disconnect between what people think is the problem versus what an objective external set of eyes might say, gosh, this is the problem. You just can't see it because it's hidden in plain sight. Talk to us about that whole hidden between the lines concept. Okay. Well, 
I can give you an example that's maybe a little different, and it it also involves as a coach learning about myself when I'm learning about my client. One of those was a client that I had who was struggling with some decision making and creating different decision trees to decide, like, you know, do I take this path? Do I take that path? How do I go and do this thing that I want to achieve? Very engineering minded, actually, an engineer. Um, and he talked a lot about assumptions. And if I assume this, then this is the path I take. And if I assume that, then I should do this. And for me, that was triggering. Because I've always had the perception that percep- you know, assumptions are bad, right? You don't make assumptions. We always say, what, is, what do you do when you assume, right? Um, and what I had to do was take a step back and start trying to understand what he was really telling me. And what he was telling me was those assumptions help him better make decisions. And so I had to start asking from a different point of view. And when I asked him, what assumptions can you make to help you better create this decision, light bulb, right? That, that light bulb that Edison's looking for, it clicked. And what that brought back for me was, I have my own perception of the world, and that's very different from my clients. So I need to very much listen to what, not just what he's saying, but what he's not saying there. And that's going to give me more insight into what kind of person he or she is. Yeah. It's interesting to me. The role of a coach is because obviously, I love how much you put the emphasis on listening and really understanding his perspective. Again, one of my favorite quotes, obviously, I I think of quotes a lot. They impact me very positively. One of those quotes is seek first to understand and then to be understood. And that's what I'm hearing in your coaching approach, which Matthew, all of our listeners know one of my favorite questions that we ask our guests before they come on is what is your zone of genius? And I love your answer because you wrote, I consider myself an informed practitioner using research and hypothesis to formulate strategic coaching approaches while using reflection to adapt and improve my skills, which obviously we can hear the agile approach behind that answer. But I want to ask you within that regard, talk to us about that research and hypothesis, how that factors into it, because what we're talking about is obviously complex problems. What's more complex than human beings? We are the most complex problem on earth. Talk to us about that part of your approach to coaching. Of course. Where I got that from was the Foursquare framework that I learned in my in the executive and professional coaching program by uh, a professor, uh, David Hicks, or Robert Hicks, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. And what he brings up in that is the combination of theory and practice. And you're using some of those psychological theories in your coaching, such as positive psychology, motivational interviewing. And as a coaching practitioner, your goal is to go and find those theories and see where they relate to each individual and how you can use them to make that individual better. And so that's where the practice comes in is how to apply it. So whereas like maybe an engineer or, um, an academic, you're concerned more about the theories themselves and proving them. Same thing with Agile. We might focus too much on the experiment itself and the hypothesis that we deliver, as opposed to the practical implication of that hypothesis. So as a coach and as a practitioner, the important thing for me is to use that, that hypothesis and that evidence to base how I practice. And one of the ways that I can give you um, as an example was with another client where I was reading a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Perhaps you've heard of it. 
And one of the one of the theories that was brought up in that book was something called unexpected unavailability. And I was able to use this with a client that was struggling with her confidence. And so how I used that was I challenged her and I said, okay, you're telling me you're not confident. We're going to sit here and we're not going to get off of this coaching conversation until you give me 12 examples of when you were not confident. She couldn't come up with it. And what that helped her realize was, okay, maybe I'm not as unconfident as I think. Maybe I am confident. And it helped change the perspective. And now she had to start thinking of examples when she was confident. And those came more quickly. And that helped build how she was able to grow and how she was able to remind herself of the times when she was confident. So yeah. that, you know, when it comes to that, like it's bringing those theories to bear in my practice. Yeah, I love that that's the example that you chose for us because it leads me right into my next question, Matthew, which is you brought up the the objective of self-confidence. That's something that every entrepreneur not only wants, but it's something that they struggle with, myself included. When I first started and I was in my first ever sales pitch, I'll never forget that pitch. I had zero confidence. I walked in there and in my head, I was like, gosh, I hope the owner of the business isn't here so I don't actually have to pitch him today. I hope that he doesn't have any questions. I hope that he just rejects me and says, no, I don't want to talk to you because all of those are ways for me to bail myself out because I didn't feel ready. I wasn't confident. And it's right on your website, obviously. So we're going to talk about your website at the end. The emeraldcoach.com is your business where you work with people as a coach. And it's right there on your website, though. You wrote, whether you're looking for increased self-confidence, better work-life balance, or leadership development, each of these objectives shares a common outcome personal growth. Matthew, we are personal growth junkies as entrepreneurs. Me, you, every single person who's tuning in here today. Talk to us about what personal growth means to you because we are all constantly growing, evolving, being challenged in so many different ways. But you, as someone who loves to study, who loves to learn, I know that you fundamentally believe that we can proactively, we can actively engage in an intentional journey of that personal growth. What is personal growth? How, do, how is it the antidote to all these things we're talking about? A lack of confidence, a lack of productivity, a lack of intentionality. Where's personal growth? How's that the driving force in all of this? Well, my solution would be personal growth is when you're in a zone of discomfort. It's when you're challenging yourself to do things that you're scared of. And I've heard the saying that if you're scared of doing something, then just do it scared. And for me, one of those things has been dancing. Actually, I'm very passionate about salsa and bachata and all the different Latin dancing. And um, for most of my life, I, I didn't know how to dance. I started maybe three or four years ago. And as I started learning how to dance, I also started learning what it meant to be a good leader. And I started taking some of those things from dancing and applying them to how I lead a team as a scrum master, how I can be a better servant leader. And three of those things that I brought back when it, you know, and these directly apply to personal growth are first, you have to be intentional. You have to know exactly what you want. That that's that's number one. You have to be decisive. The second one is that you have to be transparent. You have to communicate that intention to others. They have to know exactly what you want. And the third thing is you have to be committed. So once you've decided what you want and you've expressed it to others, you have to follow through. You have to go and complete it. It's the same in dancing as it is with teams, as it is with other individuals, and as it is as an entrepreneur building a business. Matthew, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if this question is going to come out 
correctly, but I'm going to throw it out there because I know that you'll have a way of analyzing it and diving into it. And that is, as I hear you talk about that, I'm really trying to step into my shoes of a beginner entrepreneur because that's where most of our listeners are. We are the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. And when I hear you talk about leadership, and I gosh, I love the analogy with dancing. But when I hear you talk about leadership, where my head goes is, Matthew, for probably... I'm going to say it publicly, probably for six years of my entrepreneurial journey, I'm entering year 16 now, but probably for the first six years, I didn't feel like a leader. I felt like a student of entrepreneurship. And was I leading my business? Yes. Was I leading others? Was I leading in client engagements? Well, gosh, I was supposed to be, and I hope I was to some degree. But because I also had the student hat on, because I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't view myself as a leader. And as a result of that, I didn't take leadership seriously. And hearing you talk about dance, for example, Matthew, I haven't seen you salsa just yet, but I would imagine you're not the best salsa dancer in the world yet, but you're learning. But even with that said, I think it's fascinating that you can both take leadership while salsa dancing with someone, but you can also be a student. Talk to us about that dichotomous situation and how the heck you've managed to balance that and do the two fit in together? Are they things that always coexist? I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Well, it's it's very poignant that you bring that up because um through the through the dancing community, I met with a salsa dancer who is also an entrepreneur, and he's built an app that helps um, match dorm mates for universities for do- for university students, and. I saw some of his videos on YouTube. Like he's all over the place with with dancing um, here in the Tampa area as well. And had a personal conversation with him where he told me about how he started with dancing and his passion for it and all of the effort that he put into it. And my my assumption, right? We bring that word up again, was that he had been good for many years. And so the question I brought up to him was, "Okay, you you've been doing this for you know thirteen years now." At what point did you get as good as you are now? And his answer was today. All 13 years, I'm learning every single day. And so I don't think we ever take that student hat off. There's always something new to learn. And that goes back to that mindset that you brought up, Brian, of, you know, every step is a learning experience. It's not a failure. It's, it's one step closer to success. Yeah, it's. I think it's easy for us to hear that message, Matthew. And I love the fact that oh, we're combining salsa dance and entrepreneurship. Who knew today? But when we talk about that, walk us through because what I'm thinking, and especially you work with clients who I'm sure give you these objective objectives on a real life basis. And I'm just trying to role play that in my head as the host here. But in my head, I'm just like, Matthew, how do I work towards that obviously like getting on the dance floor and putting in the reps that's one way but if someone's struggling with self-confidence if someone's struggling with they're underperforming in work or let's say that they're struggling with how to balance i've got a family i've got hobbies i've got a job all of these different things that your clients face on a real life basis how do i work at that because i'm sure at times people feel like gosh there's no way out of this hole and also i'm sure some people feel i'm the only one in this hole nobody will possibly understand this yeah well there's two sides to that coin, right? And the first one, as you mentioned, is how how do I handle the confidence itself? And I think the same solution for dancing is the same solution for entrepreneurs, is the same solution for teams. It's one small step at a time. You pick something that you know you can achieve, 
even even if it seems insignificantly small, right? It's even in coaching, when we talk about something called scaling, where we address with our client where they want to be, right? On a scale of one to 10. Clients are always going to say, well, I want to be at a 10, right? That's where I want to be. And we ask them, okay, where are you now? Well, I'm at a four, right? Our question as a coach, our, our intuitive question next is, how do I get you from a four to a five, not a four to a 10, right? How do I get you one step closer? And I think that's important as an entrepreneur is to take it that one step at a time. We tend to look so far into the future. We tend to have this grand vision that we forget about all the small things we did as we're going through that journey. We forget about the journey itself and how to enjoy it. Um, and that's another reason that Agile has helped me so much with building my business was I created my own Agile board where I designed those stories, I designed those tasks, and I stored all of them. And when I went back and looked at all the work I had did to start my business, I could see everything. At the time, it seemed overwhelming, but now it's something to celebrate. Like I took it one small step at a time. And if I had looked at all that at the beginning, I would have never done it because it just would have seemed like too much. But by, by breaking it down into smaller pieces that I could achieve and only focusing on those, it helped me make progress toward that bigger goal. Yeah, Matthew, amen to that, especially because one of probably the most impactful quotes ever in my life, I think about it frequently, is the Martin Luther King quote where he said, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. And so often I think about it, I've also heard it phrased as when you're driving at night, you can't see beyond the headlights, but that's all you need in order to get to your destination. And I think as entrepreneurs or, or as professional people, whatever subset of where you are in your own entrepreneurial or professional journey, we often get discouraged by the big numbers, by we compare our chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20. I hear it all the time from newer entrepreneurs where they're just like, gosh, I want to start this business, but I don't know how I'll get it to scale. And I was like, to scale? To scale to what? And they're like, well, I don't know if it'll ever be a million dollar business. And I'm like, get it to be a 5k a month business before you worry about scaling it. It doesn't even exist just yet. So I love that perspective. Where do you see this go wrong, Matthew? Because obviously agile is a good solution for so many people, whether it's in a team environment. I love the fact that you've just woven in your own personal example that you can use in your own life. But where do we go wrong? Because it's obviously not easy. Otherwise, we would all have six packs, we'd all have a million dollars, we'd all have this and that. But we obviously get it wrong along the way. Talk to us about some of those pain points. And even in people who you don't get to work with, what are the biggest flaws or or errors that you see people making? Oh, the biggest well, they stop learning is number one. Um, we're always on that journey. And I think, you know, it, Agile really enables that environment. And that's that's the main focus of, of stopping every two weeks of having the thing called the sprint, right? Where you're trying to do a ton of work and you're doing all this work and you're forgetting, you're maybe forgetting where you're going. And that's the point. That's why they call it a sprint, right? You run really, really fast and you get to the end and you stop. And once you stop, you start to look back and you see, where, where am I? And what do I still want? Is it, is it even still valid? Right? I think that's where many people forget to question. They get so focused on the task itself that they're not really understanding or they're forgetting why they did that task in the first place. And another thing that we use in coaching as well um, is the difference between two different modes in our brain, right? One of them is called the default mode network. It's default for a reason. It's what we tend to go toward when we have nothing to do. And that's our creative state. That's our imaginative state. That's when 
we're actually at our calmest. We're actually starting to dream, right? We're having these visions. And then the other state is the task positive state. And that state, oddly enough, is the state that actually puts us in happiness. That is when we are completely focused on something. However, when we do too much, when we're in that task positive state for too much time, that's when we also experience overwhelm. So it kind of you know implies that maybe there's too much happiness there, maybe there's too much going on, and we need to stop and reflect. And that's what I see with most of the individuals that I work with is they go into this cycle where they can't break it, and they're going through that task over and over again. And being able to stop in the middle and say, okay, we're not, we're not going over this wheel anymore. We're not going over this cycle. We're going to do something else. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. That's where they do, that's where they go wrong is they, they keep doing the same thing. And, you know, Einstein said that, right? You keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. That's, that's insanity, right? So the point is, if you're not getting the results you want, try something else. Yeah. And the fact that you say that it fits so much in with entrepreneurship, puts a smile on my face knowing that your work is, is really the, the work that manifests itself in our own inner battles in, in the journey of entrepreneurship. Because now we're talking about experimentation. And Matthew, I think that's something that people forget along the way is we want everything we do to work. And we actually, I'm going to, I'm going to change what I just said. We expect everything that we do to work. When we launch a Facebook ad campaign, we expect it to be a home run. When we have a sales call, we expect to make the sale. And I think it's those expectations that really let us down in so many different ways. Because if we go into it without an expectation, it's, I'm bringing it back to chess again. You either win or you learn. When I sit down on a chess board, I know that one of those two outcomes is going to happen. And so my expectation, no matter what, is going to be correct. Whereas if I get on a sales call, I may or may or may not make the sale. And so if I go into that with the expectation of I'm either going to close this sale or I'm going to learn how to hopefully close more sales in the future, it's a totally different dynamic in my head. And so with that in mind, Matthew, obviously, we've talked so much about individuals today. But I also know that a lot of your work focuses on teams and team dynamics and how to make a team perform optimally. What are some of the traits you've seen of the best performing teams? Because implementing methodologies like Agile are great. It's music to my ears to hear you say we stop every two weeks. I do coffee dates with myself every single Sunday where I sit down and I say, hey, how was this past week? Hey, looking forward to this next week. What do I expect? What am I hoping for? What are some of those traits that you've seen teams do, not just in methodologies, but that they actually encompass, that their culture is embedded in that's just natural to them? Well, it's a dichotomy of trust and being curious and asking and knowing how to balance the two. And I'll give you another example that happened recently with it with the team that I currently work with is one of the members spent several sprints, several months working on a feature because our program manager has suggested that that's that's the solution we should use. And nobody asked the question, okay, why are you giving this us this solution? Is this what you want? Or was this something that you heard somewhere? Has it been used somewhere? There were no questions asked. There were simply, yes, sir, I'll go do that. And after several months of working on this, that team member realized there was an easier solution. He implemented it in four hours. And when we look back and we had that reflection as we did as a team, right? What did we learn? That's the point of my job as a scrum master is to encourage those kind of conversations. Okay, we we had something we didn't expect here, right? It didn't meet our expectation. So what did we learn? And that was what we learned, that we need to ask more questions. 
right? We need to ask the right questions. So teams who ask those questions, who understand the context behind it, who know know what the other person is trying to say, right? We go back to that. What are they not saying, right? This program manager was not saying that we can't use that or that we have to use that, right? We we could go use something else, but that was that was implied. That wasn't explicit to us. That was on us to ask that. The other one is trust. And when I talk about trust, it becomes part of the team itself. And those high-performing teams are ones where the entire team is dedicated toward the success of what they're doing in that sprint. And it's not about any one person. Nobody cares about credit. Nobody's counting how much work they did versus somebody else on the team. If we don't get it all done as a team, then we all failed. And I think that for me, trying to build that kind of trust within individuals where it's not about their ego, right? Where they're sitting on a task like this individual that I just had. And they're almost worried that there's some flaw, there's some imperfection with them that they can't bring it up to the team and say, hey, I've been doing this for way too long and maybe I can't solve it. Maybe I need help. Maybe somebody else is better for this. When you have that kind of trust between team members where they don't feel like their ego is threatened and they know they can share it, that's what really helps the team get forward. But that requires everyone on the team looking at themselves as part of the team and not an individual in a group. And as coaches, we very much make the distinction between what is a group and what is a team. And a group is simply a group of individuals, whereas a team is many people working together toward a common goal, and they have to achieve it working with each other. They're interdependent. Yeah, Matthew, what you're bringing up for me right now is memories of high school soccer, where our soccer coach in, in preseason training, he used to always talk to us about exactly what you just got out at the end, which is a team moves in unison, just like a foosball table. Those players, so to speak, on a foosball table, they are literally attached. They cannot move without each other moving. And so our coach in preseason used to literally, all 11 of us on the field would have a piece of string, all of us connected. So if me as the forward, I needed to move forward to pressure the opposing team's defender who has the ball, we all move forward as a collective unit, as one. So I love the fact, I don't think anyone here in 700 plus episodes, we've really made that distinction between group and team. And I love that you illustrate that for us because I think the goal here is for all of us in our businesses, in our professional careers, in our relationships, is to build that team. So Matthew, I love that overview. And now I get to give you the hardest part of every episode, which is great for me, which is I get to ask the guests. We talked about so many fun things here today. And we talked about personal performance and productivity. We talked about teams. We talked about the agile framework. We talked about intentionality, taking inventory, listening between the lines. I love that. Matthew, with all of that in mind, what's the one action, the one takeaway that you hope listeners get from here? And they say, you know what? I'm going to start living my life to these higher barriers and and standards of excellence that Matthew shared with me. What's that one thing they should focus on? I think it's the one thing that we've brought up a few times during our conversation, which is there's no such thing as failure. Everything you do is a learning toward that success that you're getting to. And when you reframe it in that way, it builds a positive motivation, optimism for the future that you know that at some point you are going to succeed. 
Yeah, I love that, Matthew. It's great advice. I think so much of today's session is great advice for working professionals, for entrepreneurs, for, gosh, I'm even thinking like college kids. Everybody would really benefit from all of this stuff that we focus on here today. Matthew, I know that people are going to be super curious with as in... As insightful as you were, as generous as you were with sharing your perspectives, your real life stories today, I know that they're going to be itching to check out your website, see more about your work, the way that you work as well. So give us those links, tell listeners where they should go from here. And really, I also want to open the stage for you. Tell them about the way that you work. What makes your coaching different when they find your website, when they start working with you? Lay all that info on us. Oh, of course. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my profile on there, same as my name. Um, you can also find me on my website, theemeraldcoach.com. And one thing that you'll see in the contact page that really drives this home is the saying right at the top there, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And my approach is to help you take that first step and help you learn how to take more steps on your own. And that's one of the big distinctions I make as a coach versus a consultant is that all the ownership is on you. I'm here to be that mirror. I'm here to be that person that helps remove the roadblocks. So I am almost your personal scrum master. And that is, I think, what makes my service very unique from other coaches is that I can bring those methods and those principles that have helped top performing teams for very successful organizations. And I can help individuals use those same methods and those same principles. Yes, Matthew, that is such a clear overview. I think there's so much to be learned from the way that you present yourself, the way that you're really committed to helping your clients improve. So listeners, you all know the drill. The links that Matthew mentioned are down below. His website is theemeraldcoach.com. We're also linking to his personal LinkedIn down below wherever it is that you're tuning into today's episode. So definitely check that out. Otherwise, Matthew, on behalf of myself and all of the listeners here today, thank you so much for joining us on The Wantrip to Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you, Brian. It was a pleasure. Hey, it's Brian here. And thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur Podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at thewantrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you. And it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to thewantrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.